This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Sarah Conrad from Lexington, Kentucky. And you are listening to the monthly Horse Illustrated episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May 25th. This is a special episode of Horses in the Morning every fourth Tuesday of the month brought to you by Horse Illustrated Magazine. Good morning, Horse World. The fourth Tuesday of every month is all about your passion for horses. Nurture your knowledge with informative and entertaining interviews brought to you by Horse Illustrated Magazine. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning. I'm so excited that we have a new show now on the fourth Tuesday of every month. And I'm so excited that we have my old friend Sarah with us to host the show. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Glenn. I'm super excited to be here. And you know what's really cool? We're like the oldest podcast network for the horse world. And you're like one of the oldest magazines in the horse world over at Horse Illustrated. Been around like a thousand years, right? You were doing it when there were tablets, if I remember right. Yes, <laughs> I've been around for more than 40 years. Actually, when I was little, I used to get the magazine. And, you know, back then we had posters in the magazine, would put them all on my walls and all that. So you they know, were centerfolds, have... right? You, they were big. They were posters that were in the middle. Yeah. And yeah. so I've had a great love of the magazine since I was little. And now I get to work for it. So and now you get to do their podcast. So tell us uh, what your what your title is. What do you do over there? I am the digital content editor for Horse Illustrated and Young Rider. Young Rider is our sister publication. And that is for kids who love horses and ponies. And the target audience is usually between 8 and 16, although some of our readers are a little bit older because they just don't want to give it up. So. <laughs> That's a good magazine. I can see why. And, you know, it's kind of cool that you, you're the hosting this because you are the digital editor, and this is kind of a digital format, so that's cool. You know, I can't, be, I can't tell you how excited I am about this because of all the magazines out there with, with your history. And Horse Illustrated kind of is a general magazine, too, covers a little bit of everything in the horse world, right? Yes, yes. We um, we cover everything from Western riding tips and English riding tips, uh, how to become a more fit rider. We have travel and horse destination articles and our horse people column is really interesting to showcase like the different people within the horse industry, which is kind of what we're going to be doing on the podcast. And that's what I love is like getting to know all the amazing people within the horse industry. And of course, we have our features and our adoption column to help horses get adopted. And yeah, we, we cover a, a broad range. And that's what I love about it. And that's why we, I liked it, too, because we're kind of the horses in the morning is a perfect match for Horse Illustrated because we kind of do the same things. Right. Our brands are are similar in that we cover all of those kinds of things as well. And that's why I was so excited about it. And I know when we were talking about doing this, I said to you, 
we need that variety. We need the variety in this episode that Horse Illustrated does in the magazine. We need to do the same thing here. Uh, so, and I'm excited that that's what we're going to be doing and, and providing some different content on Horses in the Morning once a month. Well, on today's show, we will be talking with Alyssa Matthews, who is on a quest to help people discover the various horse breeds. We also will learn how to rediscover the horse after time away, for whatever reason, with Western Horsemanship Clinician Van Hargis. And we have award-winning author Candace Carabas, who teaches us how to discover the world of fictional horses through the magic of her writing. And today's title sponsor of this episode is Straight Arrow Products. We talked to Van, but I think it's been years. I think it's been a long time ago that we talked to Van. It's been a while since we talked to Van Hargis. And Alyssa's on this quest that I really want to hear about, uh, to, you know, to ride all the different horse breeds. I don't know anybody that's ever done that. So that's, that's cool. I'm, I'm very excited about today's show and about today's guests and having you on board. Now, a little history. Sarah and I have known each other since we lived in Lexington, Kentucky, which is probably 2008 or nine. Sounds about right. Yeah, I think it was around 2008 or nine that we met. I have no idea where we met. It was somewhere along that, the way. Your social media event. Oh, that you that's right. We had a social media event before Facebook was even a thing. We were talking about social media, and we had a little conference about it at the Kentucky Horse Park, and that's where we met. That's because you're always on the leading edge of things, yeah. doing <laughs> interesting things. You brought a bunch of people together to talk about social media, even before social media totally exploded. So it, that's my ADD is what it is. <laughs> you call it leading edge. I call it ADD. Well, tell us a little bit about today's title sponsor. Mane and Tail's newest premium product line, Ultimate Gloss, will leave your horse's mane, tail and coat with an award winning shine. This gentle formula with natural ingredients lets your horse be the boss of gloss. Discover the secret. And actually, I want to add on, we've discovered the secret in our house because we actually use mane and tail products on our dog, Tater. He is a uh, schnauzer mix that we adopted when he was about seven pounds. Now he's 40. And man, they all of their products that we bathe them with and condition them with, they make them so shiny and his coat is um like a black and he just gets so sleek and shiny. So I'm already a fan. Is he named after Tater Tots? No, but that's his nickname. Okay. <laughs> so we have a food theme in our house about with pets. Uh, our cat is named Biscuit. So oh, there you go. <laughs> and we've had foster kittens that we've named after foods as well. So. I love that. Everybody's a theme. We name our horses after Muppets. So, you know. Oh, fun. I, yeah. I, I love people who have themes. Although living around your house would just make me hungry all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, now let's get to our first guest. Her name is Alyssa Matthews. She's on a quest to ride every breed of horse. She's an equestrian YouTuber and creator of Discover the Horse and an equine adventure series and breed education project. Her videos have been shared worldwide and now have millions of views. In 2021, she was recognized as the female equine industry trailblazer by Horse Illustrated. Her mission is to show the world what horses do for us and inspire others to chase their dreams. Well, hi, Alyssa. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Now, what part of the world are you in right now? So currently, I am in Kentucky. That's a good part of the world to be in because there's a lot of different horse breeds in Kentucky. What what made you want to set out on this quest? And I don't know that anybody's ever done this before. 
You know, it is one of those things. I, I agree. I don't think anyone has done this before. And I was very lucky. So growing up, my parents were not involved with horses, but I had an amazing horse community that gave me really unique experiences with different horse breeds. And I started from a young age being able to see just how unique each and every horse breed was and how unique each and every horse within that breed was. And so this concept of riding every breed has kind of been one of those things that's been in the back of my mind for a very long time. And then in 2017, I decided, you know, we only have one life to live. We've really got to chase after these dreams. So I launched my Discover the Horse project, which is one woman's quest to ride every breed. And it has been an amazing journey of, of discovery and amazing horse adventures. And it's been so much fun so far. Well, I, I want to ask you about the, the quest to create the, the content that you did. But first, I got to ask you, how many breeds are you up to? So as of yesterday, uh, number 57. Wow. wow. Yes. <laughs> How many do you have to go? What was that? How many more are left? So that's actually a really good question. Uh, there are, if you look at breed books, there are approximately 300 breeds out there, but nobody has really done this before. And so a big part of my project is actually going through researching, looking up what is an official registry, talking with the people behind the breed and, and really kind of learning what are the official breeds out there. So I'll have a better answer for you after I'm done with the project. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, I got to ask you this question. Um, what was the breed that you rode that surprised you the most? Oh my, that is a really good question. You know, it, it's interesting because every breed is so different. Um, one of the breeds that I really, I really just was so surprised at how smooth they were is the Peruvian horse. Mm. I actually got to compete in a champagne class. So they gave <laughs> us a, a glass of champagne and we, we had to ride around in the arena trying not to spill. We had to do circles and, uh, and perform it in the gate called Paso Llano which is, uh, it's just a really fun and very smooth gait to feel. So each one has something really special, but, uh, but that, was, that was a really fun and unique one. We have a bunch of Pasos in the neighborhood here where we live. We live in a horsey community in Ocala. And you, you can tell, if I'm riding my bike or for riding the horses around, you can tell that they're working because they, they do it a lot of times on boards. So from about two blocks away, you can hear them on the boards. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is fun. At the end of that class, did you get to drink the champagne? Or what did they do with it? <laughs> well, I, I think they generally would allow you to drink the champagne. Uh, the Icelandic horses, uh, the Icelandic horse community, they also have one called the beer tolt. So a similar type of competition. And that's one that I've been a part of where everyone at the end does uh, does enjoy that that mug of beer. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a content creator. And, you know, YouTube is a little different than what we do in that there's another aspect, the whole video aspect. And by the way, I don't envy you editing video. That's a nightmare. <laughs> that's a nightmare compared to audio. I'll take our audio any day. But, you know, how did you... Were you good when you started? Did you have a background in it or did you figure this out as you went? 
You know, this has been very much a passion project of just start on the journey and do the best you can and continue to improve from there. Uh, one of my early breeds, I, I did not have a background in video. Uh, and so one of the early breeds, my friend actually gave us a camera. He gave us a GoPro uh, to use just for the trip. And uh, we went out there and filmed in Iceland. And I ended up using, if you listen to the episode, uh, you, you'll see it. I, I ended up using my phone to record audio. It was very much just run and gun style, putting the episode together, just trying to share, you know, the experience. And uh, I put that episode on Facebook. And it was, I think, uh, one of the first episodes that I put on Facebook, it had a couple hundred thousand views within the first month. And, and that was just, it, to me, it was so exciting, because I want to share horses with the world. And I want to show people what our amazing horses do for us. And this was my dream, but I didn't know how I was going to be able to actually pull it off. And so it's it's very much been a learning process. I'm still learning as I go and trying to just make it better and better so people can really feel like they're riding along with us and getting to know these breeds even more. Well, you know, too, when you first started out, you went on a little bit of faith that this was all going to work because this is an expensive project as well. I mean, you're traveling everywhere and that ain't cheap. So, yes. you know, you did go on a little bit, unless you had a lot of money in the bank. You went a little bit of faith that this was all going to work out in the end. No, no, this, this was something where we, you know, it was, it was personal financing going into it. And, uh, and we just said, you know what, we want to do this vacation. My husband took time off of his work. I took time off of my work and we went and started making it happen. Then it was, you know, here, we'll, we'll grab a weekend trip, that sort of thing. I actually have a family friend of ours that's a retired physician, and he is now donating his time to be part of the project as a videographer. And so it, it very much has been something that, you know, you just have to, you have to go after it and figure out how to do it. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it really comes down to being about these amazing horses. And you remind me a lot of Darlie Newman from Equitrekking, because that's basically uh, how, how she started like 20 years ago, right? I mean, that's how she started and then just made a business out of it and then won Emmys. So Darlie Emmys are next. so inspiring. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what what how many do you get to ride any well let's throw last year out obviously but um you know how many what's your goal of how many you ride in a year you know um that is something that as we go forward here uh this this past trip that we just did here filming the thoroughbred is kind of the launch pad for what i'm hoping to be a a, a good solid season coming up so around probably 25 to 50 breeds per year wow. if i can pull that off is my hope that's a lot of travel girl Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> Luckily, I know how to eat a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and sleep on friends' couches and, and all of that. <laughs> and I was looking at your YouTube channel. One million views. As a matter of fact, that wasn't too long ago. So you must have been pretty happy girl there. I am so thrilled. It's been a fun journey to see like Facebook is kind of the big platform where everybody has been sharing the videos and we have over 5 million views there. And now YouTube is growing and we, we just hit our 1 million view mark there. And it, it's just so exciting because 
I get so many wonderful comments from people about, you know, enjoying the horse experience. One lady said to me the other day, she said, I can't ride anymore, but because of watching your episodes, I feel like I can get back in the saddle. And mm, to me, that is just... We all live for those emails right there. Yes, <laughs> it is so true. <laughs> we all live for those. And it is, and you're never, by the way, those will never get old. I agree. Those kind of emails never get old. This is absolutely fascinating, and uh, I love everything about this project. I don't, I don't envy your travel because I know what that involves. But you <laughs> well, also... I do. I totally envy your travel. And... <laughs> I mean, I even worked for a travel agency for a few years, and being able to travel sounds like one of the best parts. It's Where... a fun adventure. Everything is, you know, every step is unique. Where all has it taken you? You mentioned obviously Iceland, but. Yeah. So, so far uh, for the quest, I've filmed, of course, a lot of breeds here in the United States. Uh, early on was Iceland. We've also done Ireland, Malaysia, Indonesia, Germany, England. Um, I think that's all right now, but they're really, by the end of this project, it's going to be worldwide travel. There's so many unique breeds all over the world. How do you find who you're going to go to? Do you just start contacting people and hope for the best? A lot of different ways, actually. Uh, a lot of research. I start kind of digging in, looking up breeders. I, I reach out and a lot of times collaborate directly with the breed registries or the breed associations. Um, also, what I've done in the past is I actually just send out, uh, you know, send out a post on one of my social media platforms and I let people send in suggestions. I have met so many incredible horse owners that way. They'll let me use their personal horse as a breed representative and we get to go out and, you know, see what they do with their horse in that specific location. So a lot of different ways we end up with our quest horses. Which has been the platform that has gotten, you said, is it Facebook that's gotten the most traction or is Instagram catching up to that now? Facebook is actually uh, by far right now the most popular platform. Uh, we have 46,000 followers on Facebook and and now that, that uh, several million mu view mark for the videos. And then Instagram uh, is just kind of where I share more of the photos, so I don't put the full episodes up on Instagram. That's a little bit smaller. Uh, TikTok is a new one, actually. I just uh, started TikTok not that long ago, and uh, it's been a really fun platform. So we're up to, I think, 15,000 followers on TikTok right now. And all of those have a different a different method of getting it right. I mean, they're, all, they're all different. They're all so different. They are. They are. Yeah. I think sometimes I spend, uh, I spend more time working on just the different social media platforms than, you know, than the rest of the, you know, the rest of the project. And I noticed that, you know, you, most of them are pretty, a lot of them are short and then you have, you have some longer ones, right? That you, some specials kind of that you do, but most of them are short. Was that intentional to try and keep them short? You know, a lot of it really depends on what the filming situation was, what the trip was like. And I, I'm working on now that we are getting better sound equipment and, and better camera equipment. I'm, my hope is that these episodes will become a little bit longer and just a little bit, uh, you know, more detailed. Um, but yeah, early on and, uh, you know, as we, as we were filming some episodes, you know, we'll go, we'll meet the horse, we'll film and everything will be filmed in the matter of two hours. Whereas other times I actually get to stay and hang out with people for multiple days at a time. So it really just depends on the situation. 
information. You must have some amazing stories from your adventures. Uh, do you have any particular favorite memories? There are so many of them. I actually, I was thinking about this before we, uh, before we were, before we talked today and a really big thing that actually happened yesterday uh, while we were filming is that my quest horse for the thoroughbred actually ran in the 2020 Kentucky Derby. Oh, wow. Really? Yes. Yes. So <laughs> that was, that was a really fun one. And then did you bet on just, him? I, I didn't bet on it. He didn't do very well, uh, but we didn't uh, we didn't really discuss that much in front of him because I think it's probably a <laughs> yeah. She's been but, in my neck of the woods, so if we'd realized that sooner, I'm I'm met. so bummed we didn't realize that. That would have been so much fun to have you out there with us. Well, if you ever get to Ocala, you'll have to stop by the studio here and uh, wonderful. You can drive a hackney you. pony. I have one of those. Oh, fun. I have Hackneys a fat little hackney pony that uh, <laughs> is a celebrity here on the show. So we'll, oh. we'll get you, his name is Scooter. So we'll get you driving Scooter when you come out. I would Na love to do that. Named after the Muppets. That's right. We name the all Muppets. our horses after Muppets. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this, is, oh, this has come fun. up on the show. We've had thousands of guests on the show. And it, the traveling guests, we always ask you, where's the place that you got food poisoning? Borneo. There you go. Oh, <laughs> There's always one. <laughs> what was it, it? Was it was the day after I filmed the Bajau Pony. Uh, it's in southern Borneo. Is in it's the an island and it's in southern Malaysia. Um, yep, that was that was not really a uh, a great day for me. But I'm just really glad you, it was after. Did filming. you narrow it down to one particular food? You know, I actually didn't because, of course, when you're there, there's so many fun things to try and uh, and new experiences to have. So I'm not sure. <laughs> how, how much time are you uh, spending at each location or are there certain ones you're like, I, I've got to spend longer time here? You know, it really varies. Uh, a lot of times it will depend on the, the time frame of the, you know, the person that I'm meeting with or the breeder. Um, and sometimes it will also depend on, on travel. Like if we're trying to film eight breeds in a row, we'll usually dedicate like a day to each breed. Uh, but what I'm really hoping to do with the project now is as I'm making these episodes longer, I would like to spend a little bit more time, you know, really just getting to to know these breeds and be able to share them with people. So I'm hoping that we'll start to do more like multi-day treks or multi-day horse experiences, that sort of thing. There was an article written also in Horse Illustrated in August of 2019 issue, if you want to go back and find that. You can find, well, there's multiple different places that you can find Alyssa. You can find her on YouTube at Discover the Horse, on Facebook at Discover the Horse, on Instagram at Discover the Horse Quest, TikTok, and all the rest. We'll put all the links in our show notes as well. I could talk to you all day. This is so much fun. Well, good luck on your continued uh, quest. Thank you so much for having me. I, it's just an absolute honor to be here. I remember reading Horse Illustrated magazines out with my pony in the pasture when I was little. So to be talking to you guys here, it, it really is an honor. And uh, I appreciate the time. Well, what a cool job she has. And what a great idea. Again, I don't think anybody's ever done that. She's going to have a world record. I know. I'm completely jealous of what she does. <laughs> And she gets to travel around, do all this fun stuff. And you know what? Getting sick every once in a while in foreign countries ain't so bad. 
Yeah, I guess that's part of the job. <laughs> Remind hazard. me when I go to Borneo though to uh, watch what I eat. <laughs> so yeah. Don't forget the Straight Arrow family of brands includes Mane and Tail and Cowboy Magic, providing over 100 years of grooming excellence. For more information about your favorite products, please visit straightarrowinc.com or find them at any tech shop near you. straightarrowinc.com Our next guest is Van Hargis, who is known as one of today's most versatile horsemen and clinicians. Van is trained and competed in the show arena and events ranging from reining to calf roping, and competed in the rodeo arena in timed events. For Van, training horses started more than 35 years ago when the wife of world-renowned saddlemaker Billy Cook hired him to train her horse. Van utilizes the arena and the horse to emphasize the most fundamental lesson, the need for a solid foundation in both horsemanship and humanship. Van's ability to use the horse to educate, motivate, inspire and entertain will encourage you to take a long look at your life your relationships and your horsemanship welcome to the show van and thank you for joining us well thank you miss sarah appreciate you guys for having me it's just always a pleasure to visit with you guys and i'm really looking forward to it well before we get into like talking about your training philosophies and all you've been doing because you are one busy man uh, I wanted to talk about an experience that many riders go through that you went through a few years ago, although it was to a very bad degree. I know and back in 2015, I remember when you had a major riding accident, which resulted in a broken back and pelvis and a long-term recovery. Yeah. I was hoping you could tell us what happened and how you got back to riding and your horse business after that, because I know others also can go through situations like this? Well, firstly, Sarah, to me, it was incredibly humbling just because of the fact that I had really emphasized to audiences all over the world that uh, the importance of respecting the horse's size, their strength, um, and their speed and the quickness. And I'd prided myself not so much on all the things that God had blessed me with learning and earning and everything else over the years, but most importantly, for going 43 years between what I would consider a time loss injury. At nine years of age, I was probably taught one of the most beneficial horsemanship lessons ever. And that was that all horses are horses. In other words, all horses bite, kick, buck. In other words, they're just being, they're just being horses and we have to respect that. How did I learn that at nine? When I was nine years old, the gentlest horse on our place kicked me in the face and it cost my mom and dad dearly for all they had to build to re have my face rebuilt, <laughs> but it also taught me at that young age to respect that things can happen very quickly and that our job is to just respect that and then take all the necessary precautions. That doesn't mean we live in fear. That doesn't mean we worry and we stress over the horse's size, strength, and, and quickness. We just respect it, right? Mm -hmm. Well, 43 years later, I'm at a friend's house. Uh, we're actually doing a little mini clinic over there. And I was riding a young, long two-year-old, maybe a, a short three-year-old filly. And after the little mini clinic, I began to work with her on sliding stops. And she was already doing really, really well. But um, I thought I'd ask a little bit more of her on this one last stop. And I'm kind of trotting her across the arena really big. And she's just traveling out just absolutely super. And I sat down and I said, whoa, and the little filly just stopped so big. She tucked her tail up underneath herself. And unfortunately for me, my timing was just a little bit off because I happened to hit a fairly dry spot in the arena. 
therefore the dirt was dry. It wasn't heavy enough to maybe stop her from sliding quite so well. And before you know it, her back feet went so far up underneath her that, bless her heart, she didn't know what to do. So she just sat down. And when she sat down, just her momentum of sitting brought her over backwards on top of me. And of course, that that put all of her body weight on me and uh, broke my back in four places and it crushed mm. my pelvis. And, um, and as God would have it, everything was good. You know, of course I was hurt and I was laid up for a while, but, um, it was just none of those things to make me realize how blessed we are to get to work with these animals and not get hurt any more frequently than we do. But then also during the recovery time, I was six weeks in the bed doing absolutely nothing. I mean, I couldn't literally, I, it was all I could do to, you know, and only with assistance, be able to get up and go to the bathroom. That's how badly I was laid up. And, um, so of course I'm beginning to think things and I was doing a lot of writing and, and, you know, try to do some creative stuff to kind of keep my mind busy during that time. And then came the day when the doctor finally said, you know, Van, next week you'll be able to ride again if you want to. I said, Oh yes, sir. I'm e I'm eager. Question is, what did I do? Well, I go out to the barn and I get the best, most reliable horse on the property. And I take her up to the barn, get her all saddled up. And I focused on exactly the things that I teach all my students and all the people who listen is I focused on the absolute simplest things that I knew that I knew well and knew that I was extremely confident in doing. And I knew what the horse and I concentrated also on what the horse knew well so that we both could not be pushing the envelope, so to speak. And it was able to get me in the saddle and do things with a great amount of confidence. And then each achievement, which was like literally walking a circle and then trotting a circle and then eventually loping a circle. In other words, doing some things that were just so incredibly easy for both me and the horse to accomplish developed to my confidence building even faster. Because I had no idea if it was going to hurt when I rode again. I had no idea what my balance was going to be like. I had not gone since I was in college. I had not gone six to eight weeks without being in the saddle. You know, so it, it was a, it was kind of an occurrence for me to kind of relearn if I had learned, if I had missed anything or if I needed to go back and relearn things. So it was a really good experience for me. I know the mental aspects can get to a lot of people after they've had an accident. I actually had a, my horse rear and fall over backwards on me as well. Luckily she only got my leg, but at the time I was only bruised up a little bit and I just had to wait a few weeks you know, to get back on her, but the mental aspect comes in when you've got to think about, you know, could this happen again, you know, and fear can come in with so many people after a fall or anything happening with their horses. Do you have any tips for people to kind of break through that and, you know, yes. get beyond no it? Number one, just know that you're normal, right? Everybody has those issues. Um, and anybody that says they don't, they're, they're probably lying or they're really, really guarding their own ego. The reality is we all go through those moments of doubt, those moments of fear, those moments that are just natural to us being good, compassionate human beings that are concerned about not only ourselves, but those are around us. So we first have to realize that that's normal thought process and that's normal. The other side of that is, believe it or not, that's what's keeping you alive is that those thoughts in the back of your mind that are just constantly reminding you that we are human and we, we survive on self-preservation. 
So those are all normal things. And let's just consider for a moment our horse industry being made up of so many women like it is today. I mean, we're looking at almost 90% women nowadays in our horse industry. And I can't tell you, Sarah, how many times I hear people tell me this story. Oh my goodness, Van, when I was a young girl, I just rode with no care whatsoever. I would just go jump on a horse and sometimes with no saddle, no bridle. And I would just ride my horse bareback through the pasture and not a worry and concern in the world. What's wrong with me that I can't do that anymore? Why is it that I'm afraid to do that now? And then I, I just tell them again, number one, it's normal. Number two, think about what you had at stake as a little girl versus what you have at stake today. Most women today in our horse industry are professionals of some sort. They oftentimes have families and careers. And then as a result, in the back of their mind, that little nurturing thing in the back of their mind that says, what happens to my job? What happens to my family? What happens to my household if I get hurt or injured? What happens now? What happens not just to me, but what happens to them? So you see, Sarah, those fears and those concerns are so unbelievably natural. But at the same time, we don't want it to deprive us from the things that give us joy or what we hope that would bring us joy, such as riding. So my tips to get people to overcome that is to focus on the things that you are extremely confident that you can do. Even if it's just walking a circle on your horse, walk a, walk a circle on your horse and then give your horse a big pat on the neck and give yourself a big pat on the back. Because every time you achieve something, no matter how small, consider that a success. And before you know it, what I've learned over the years is that success is addictive. <laughs> and we once we begin to start tasting just a little bit of success, we'll start pushing on our, our own envelopes. And we'll seek out success at a little bit more of a challenge. Before you know it, you're walking a bigger circle or you're, you're walking down the trail or you're trotting a circle in the arena or you're loping a circle in the arena or you're going out on short trail rides with your friends. In other words, you'll begin to expand your territory, to use a verse of the Bible. You'll be able to expand your own territory. Before you know it, you're achieving things that you didn't think were possible for you. Do you think that people rush that? Is that where they get in trouble? I think so. I think sometimes we rush it. And I think the other thing is that we tend to let other people uh, put too much pressure on us. What do you mean? You're not riding yet? What's wrong with you? Are you afraid? Are you scared? And before you know it, we let other people influence us to do things that we might not quite be ready for uh, mentally. And before you know it, we're pushing in our envelope and we're fighting the fear even more now. So we've got to stay within our comfort zone, but at the same time, continue to press that envelope. This was actually quite a timely discussion, too, because actually in our latest issue of Horse Illustrated, in the June issue, we have an article about uh, riders returning after a time away. And this happens a lot where, like, for instance, I haven't been riding for a few years. I've been focused on family and people focus on their life or their families or maybe it's finances or their jobs. So just returning and figuring out how to do that. Those are some great tips. So thank you. Um, you bet. Absolutely. I think it ties in a little bit with your philosophies, too, with riding that from what I've heard and from your podcast and from what I've read from you, you talk about reducing down to the ridiculous, which is an interesting phrase. What exactly do you mean by that? 
Um, Sarah, again, I have to give credit where credit's due. I have to go all the way back to when I was a freshman in high school, and I had a phenomenal teacher at that time. Her name was Ruth Ann Coffey. She was a horrifically scary lady. She was big. She was <laughs> had a um, kind of that permanent scowl on her face. Please tell me she carried a big her. ruler and would smack hands with it. <laughs> tell me she also wore a nun's outfit. Tell me all of that. That'd be perfect for this story. <laughs> you know, sadly for her, she didn't need any of those things. Just her presence was intimidating. <laughs> but uh, I was having some trouble with, with algebra, and she just kept telling me to focus on the things that I could do and do those things really well. And then whenever I come across a problem that I had a difficulty with, she would just continually say, reduce it to the ridiculous, reduce it to the ridiculous. In other words, take it down to the area that you can do it. And that has really come in, not only to help me as a human being over the years, to continue to break things down for myself until I find the root of the I can instead of the I can't. And then do the same thing with our horses. Challenge them, but at any point in time, the horse is getting challenged to the point where they're failing more than succeeding, break it down to the point where they start succeeding more than they're failing. And before you know it, the horse will, like we said a moment ago, the horse will start getting addicted to that success. And you can start helping this horse take those little baby steps toward being even more successful than you or your horse thought were possible. So by reducing things to the ridiculous, we make it to the point where we find the I can area. And once we find the I can area, there's a lot less frustration there for me as a rider and a communicator, as well as for the horse as the doer and the succeeder. That sounds like that can apply to people too. And obviously as a clinician, you work with a lot of people and I've heard you refer to humanship. What what do you mean by humanship? And, And do you have an example of how you've done the reducing down in regards to like people working with our horses? Absolutely. Um, well, first, you know, when you say the humanship aspect, that's the that's the whole premise of my being at this stage, it seems like, because um, I, I recently wrote a book, and um, I think we're probably going to talk about that maybe a little bit later, but I recently wrote a book called The Horse is My Teacher, and people ask me all the time, so you were around all these great trainers and all these great mentors growing up, so how do you give all the credit to the horse. And I don't give all the credit to the horse. It's just the horse helped me realize a lot of the lessons that the adults in my life and the mentors in my life tried to teach me when I was younger. So for example, um, you know, just go back to the Ruth Ann Coffee. She said, reduce things to ridiculous. And when I, when I heard that lesson at the whopping age of maybe 14 or 15 years of age, I didn't fully understand what it meant then. But over the years, through just maturity and through more experiences, and because of most of my life's experiences included horses, my experience with the horses made me realize those life lessons even more. So to me, I really do think that the horsemanship and the humanship go hand in hand together. So I don't know if that really answered your question, though, Sarah, but that's kind of what I focus on when I think of that, that humanship aspect. And even for the students and the people that we work with our clinics, we do try to find those areas again in their lives that they're struggling with, with their horses. And almost always it's amazing to me how their humanship will parallel their horsemanship. The issues that they're having with their spouse, with their children, with their coworkers or with their bosses oftentimes has a lot to do with communication. And when we discover that we're having the communication issues, 
if we will break things down to the point where it gets to where we can communicate them better, then suddenly those around us become smarter <laughs> and those that are around us become more successful. And when, again, it kind of goes back to that success being contagious. That whole statement is why horse therapy is so effective. But when you're trying to do that with a rider, that's so tough because they may not want to go there or they don't know that they have to go there. You betcha. That's part of it. The other side of that is also, sadly, humans have the ego and we we are dead set on protecting that, aren't we? So Mm. with humans... I don't know anything about that, Van. I have no idea what you're talking about there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because we fear certain things and we let fear kind of get in our way and the fear is like, that's the armor of the ego, isn't it? So when when we're dealing with the humans, we really have to get down to the point where we're really addressing those fears, even when they don't want to. And I'm, I'm not much of a babysitter, <laughs> which means that whenever we have someone come and they're being a little bit difficult, they're being a little bit protective of themselves, and they're not want to really face the issues that's truly standing in their way of succeeding at that moment, let alone what might lie ahead, sometimes it's difficult for us to face those. And just like I do with a horse, I don't really settle for excuses. We just keep pressing and keep pushing because once we're pressing, we're pushing and we're moving, we can be guided. When we're not moving, it's very, very difficult to be guided. And that, that applies to both our horses, our vehicles, as well as ourselves. So you're right. With the humans, it's a lot more difficult because we have to get through so many more layers and a lot more excuses. The yabbits is what we've referred to that. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've definitely heard that phrase. I, I'm <laughs> guessing you probably explain a lot more of your philosophies and, and how you've come to look at things in your book you mentioned the horse is my teacher comes out this fall. Can you tell us a little bit more about what's in your book? You bet. And I appreciate you um, for giving me an opportunity to do that. Um, this was a project that I started more years than I care to admit. It was um, probably 15 or 20 years ago when somebody said, Hey, you ought to write a book. And I said, if I ever do, I think I'm just going to call it the horse is my teacher. And that kind of planted the seed in my mind about what I wanted to do. And what I really wanted to do is give credit to all of those people, my mom and uh, teachers along the way, mentors that I that I ran into over the years, and I've been very blessed to meet with and work with and ride with and work for. Um, and I wanted to share that I'm just a horseman that has been very, very fortunate to have lots and lots of horses to ride over the years and lots of people come and go in my life that were, I guess you could say, um, generous enough to share with me their experiences and their advices and the things that kind of helped me as a horseman. So in that, a lot of people shared stories with me. And that to me is a, a thing that I enjoy doing. I enjoy sharing stories with other other people, whether it be readers or people who attend our clinics. I believe that people learn a lot through quotes and um analogies and stories. So I try to share those. And over the years, I I can't tell you how many times I've had so many great quotes given to me. And then, then over the years, I also began to find out how I could apply those quotes to both my horsemanship as well as my humanship. So each chapter of the book basically takes a quote. For example, one from my grandmother was yard by yard, life is hard, inch by inch, it's a cinch. In fact, that that's one of those quotes that stays in my office 24-7 on a, on a plaque that I was given. 
And I apply that yard by yard, life is hard, by inch by inch, it's a cinch. And if you think about that, that is something that we're constantly battling with with humans, with ourselves, is not do things in two biggest steps, do things slowly, step by step, inch by inch. And it's amazing how much more successful we can do with that because we're being much more thorough about what it is we're doing. We're being much more careful about what it is that we're doing. And it's kind of like the same story of the the tortoise and the hare. So each chapter, I'll share the quote, where the, where it came from and how I came by it, how I use it in my personal life, and then how, of course, it uh, how, of course, it applies to my everyday life as well and the horsemanship stuff as well. Where can people, where, it's not out yet, right? It's coming out soon? You betcha. They just let us know. In fact, it was supposed to come out this this month, the end of this month, and they just let us know a couple of, de- a couple of weeks ago that they've rescheduled, to, rescheduled it to release in October so that they'd okay. be a little bit closer to the Christmas holidays. So keep an eye on VanHargis.com. That'd probably be the best way to do that. And also all the social media channels. Plus, you have a podcast, your fellow podcaster. Uh, the podcast is called Ride Every Stride. You can find it on the place where you listen to your podcast. Just go search for it, and you'll find it there. Uh, so thank you, Van, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. As always, we really appreciate you guys and continue doing what you do. You guys do it so well. Well, as we said, you can find Van and his great podcast at Ride Every Stride. Just search for it on your podcast players. Well, that's not all today. You have another terrific guest book. So who is coming up next? Well, our final guest, Candace Carabas, is an award-winning fiction author who writes from the Lincoln County, Missouri farm she shares with her husband and daughter. A scoliosis diagnosis at age 11 changed her life. A horse lover from a young age, she signed up for riding lessons and learned much more than posting trot. With quiet power, horses provided comfort and a sympathetic ear, never judging or poking fun at her cumbersome back brace. Those years, though often difficult, taught Candace the value of persistence, the healing power of believing in oneself, and how strength can be gained through kindness. Her stories are imbued with the irresistible wonder, mystery, and solace her equine friends have provided. Welcome, Candace, to the podcast. Thank you so much, and congratulations on this new podcast. I'm thrilled to be on the inaugural uh, episode. Very exciting. Of course, I know you have two different book series that you have written. One is mystery and one is fantasy. And I've read the Dream Horse mystery series, and I couldn't put it down. And you actually made me lose sleep over your books because I would just read late into the night. Uh, Can you tell our audience a little bit about the Dream Horse Mysteries and then tell us about your other series, The Horse Collar? Sure. Um, Well, first of all, thank you. That's that's just warms my heart. That's what all authors want to hear is that we kept somebody up late reading. They they couldn't put the book down. So that just totally makes my my Authors day. love when we lose sleep. We love <laughs> that's that. right. That, <laughs> yes, that's the thing to remember. Um, okay, so the Dream Horse Mysteries are about a down-on-her-luck jumper rider named Pi Parker who must, the, the basic premise is she has to keep a job for one year to get a surprise trust fund. Um, in the end, it's really a story about family and forgiveness and, and learning to um, believe in yourself, but the fun parts are she she goes to take this job. She goes from the East Coast to the Midwest, which is a bit of a, a cultural shock for her. And um, 
this horse that she used to ride that uh, and compete and so on, who passed away, uh, begins to visit her in her dreams. She doesn't realize it, it at first that it's bringing her clues. And then a dead body turns up and it's it's a crazy, bumpy, fun ride um, to to the very end. And the, the three books in the series cover the year that, you know, she has to keep this job and. Um, it's it was it was super fun to write. So I'm glad to know that people find it uh, fun to read as well. And a lot happened to her in that year, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. A lot happens to her. She goes through a lot of change, um, but it's all it's all good in the end. So um, and then the fantasy, the horse caller series is about a woman from this world who's taken with her horse through a portal to another world. And in this world, uh, the the place where she lands is uh, horses are a huge part of their culture, but they've lost them. And they think that she is their long lost horse caller. And only the horse caller can call the horses and bring them back and return the country to greatness and, you know, save everything. And she doesn't believe a word of it, but she's sort of stuck there. So she gives it a shot. And of course, there are those who don't want the horses found and returned. And then there are those who want the horses for their own nefarious purposes. So there's a lot of a lot of challenge for her to overcome as well. And um, again, in the end, it's it's sort of about, you know, learning to believe in yourself. And um, the journey is certainly physical, but also very um, internal and emotional and so on also. So that's that's kind of what happens in all with all my main characters and their their stories. Do, do your characters, are they very similar to each other in each series? Or do you think they have very different personalities? And and is your personality in either character? Yeah, so there's definitely a piece of me, possibly in all my characters, including and maybe especially the bad guys. Um, the, the These characters are different, um, but partly because the main character, Lauren, in the Horse Caller series is actually older. The protagonists are more closer to 50, whereas Vi is approaching 30. Um, So she's just, you know, typically we mellow out a little bit as we get older. Um, Not always, but sometimes. Um, So she's, she's, she's a Vi is very quick to act and respond and react to things, whereas Lauren's a little more measured in her, her responses and so on. So, um, but you know, they're both, uh, very, very accomplished horsewomen. And so that certainly, um, you know, drives a lot of who they are. Now, one of your latest endeavors is to create a digital box set with other equine authors. I was curious how that came about because you don't hear a lot about like box sets mm-hmm. in the horse industry. So mm-hmm. it's a unique, very unique concept. Mm-hmm. Well, I had uh, had the great uh, fortune and pleasure of, of being included in a couple of box sets with other authors in the past. And so I knew that it could be a really fun and successful project for um, a group of authors. And so I partnered with Carly Cade, who I know you also know, both of you. Um, and we invited six other authors, so a total of eight to become part of what we called Horses, Hearts, and Havoc, because there are mystery, suspense, and romance books in this set, eight full-length novels, and each one is the first book in a series. And so the idea behind it is, yes, this is content that was already out there, but here's a way for you to get, you know, perhaps meet new authors and for all of us to reach new readers 
get introduced to a new series and then hopefully go on to buy uh, the rest of the books in the series that, you know, you like or maybe all of them. So, um, yeah, it's been um, it's been a really successful partnership and um, it's only going to be available through June 15th and it'll be on sale for 50 percent off starting um, in another week or so. Well, actually, when this broadcast, it'll be 50 percent off from then until June 15th. Well, and I actually downloaded it a while ago and haven't been able to read read any of them yet. I'm looking forward to like the upcoming holiday so mm-hmm. that I can read some of them. Mm-hmm. I'll have to skip Carly's because I've already read all of her books and those were all good as well. But I, I love the concept of being able to meet other authors and kind of get to know what their writing styles are like and see if you can really get into other series as well. Mm-hmm. Now, I've read that 81% of people would like to write a book. Uh, I have an idea for a book down the road one day, (laughs) closer to retirement age. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your writing process and, like, how you were actually able to become the one of the many few who are uh, actually published? Sure. Well, they say there are, if you're a writer, you're either a panster or a plotter. So plotters have... usually a detailed outline, scene by scene, you know, they know exactly before they even sit down to start writing, they know exactly how the story is going to go. Pansters, which I am one, uh, sort of have a broader idea of uh, the story and the characters and sort of just start writing and and see where it it takes them. So um, that's my style when I'm actually writing. Right now, I'm in a research phase for a a wholly new project, and so I'm just doing a lot of reading, research, making notes. So I take notes and start scene and character sketches and ask a lot of questions. I do that uh, by hand, you know, not on the computer. Um, You know, and eventually uh, I get a idea for what the first scene should look like, and and then I'm, I'm on my way and I start writing. And then I see, like I said, I see where it takes me. I usually know where it's going to end. I don't always know exactly what the trail is going to be to get there. There's more than one way to get to the end. So Now, see, this all fascinates me because I've always written nonfiction. When I write for magazines, you know, over my 20-year career, it's it's always been, like, educational and nonfiction. I can't even picture how to come up with, like, a a fiction story. Does it just, like come to you or does it take some work or like how, how does that work is it yeah no that's a fair question and it's it's not is that easy to answer um it's a little of both um I ask a lot of what if questions so if I have an initial premise of a woman who uh is kind of against her will having to go take this job you know she's she's like Vi in the dream horse mysteries right she's She's a top jumper rider on the East Coast, and now she's going to go work on this little farm in the middle of nowhere in the Midwest. She thinks it's a big come down, you know, so she's got an attitude. She's got a, ch- a chip on her shoulder kind of thing. Um, okay, so what if? What if that happened to someone? What would that look like? And then when she gets there, what if um, she mistakes her boss for someone else and her horse kicks him, you know, or something like that, you know, Mm because these are some of the things that happen in in the beginning of the book. Um, What if a dead body turned up? What if it was in the manure pile? (laughs) You know, I don't know. I just start, I just start asking those, those questions. And that sort of drives um, the answers to those, of course, um, drive the, 
the story along. Interesting. Well, if I ever have more free time, I'll have to, you know, test out the waters and try that. Sure. So what do you think, what opportunities has being an author brought about for you? Um, you know, mainly, honestly, it's meeting other equally passionate authors, horse people, readers who, you know, who are all sort of bound together by the love of a, of a good story. Um, in talking to them and about process, like we just were, you know, it's, it's, um, it's just really fun, but mostly it's for me, I think it's just hearing from readers, um, you know, the opportunity to keep someone up at night, the opportunity to bring someone some pleasure or make them laugh or, um, cry. Someone told me they cried after when they were reading one of my books. Um, you know, all of that, just, just having, uh, you know, an impact on someone else's life. That's, that's pretty remarkable. Lisa Waisaki uh, co-hosts this show sometimes, and she always talks about how her characters speak to her. She hears them talking. Mm -hmm. uh, and we always make fun of her that, you know, she's just mm -hmm. going insane, but makes, makes mm -hmm. money doing it because she writes mm -hmm. it all down. Yeah, so, that's right. <laughs> see, we all have, th we all hear people talking to us. It's just some of us are smart enough to write it down. There you go. There you <laughs> go. Right. I like it. <laughs> So what else are you up to these days, like horse-wise and, and book-wise? Because I know you have a horse, right? I do, yeah. And he was born here on my farm where I live. And so I was I was there when he, you know, came out and whinnied Aww. and took his first steps. And uh, so that just feels like a really special bond. And he's, I think he's going on 20. I, I, I forget um, exactly what year he was born, but... Um, so he's just, he's just a wonderful creature and, um, he's, I'd say semi-retired and I just enjoy spending time with him, even if it's just to bring him up out of the pasture and brush him and pick his feet and pull the cockleburrs out of his tail and give him some what? treats and, and put him back. <laughs> What's his name? Remy. Remy. I like that. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think I knew a horse named Remy back when I was in high school. Okay. He was a little red quarter horse. He is a red uh, quarter horse thoroughbred tricaner cross. There's a combination. <laughs> yeah, there's a combination. <laughs> yep. That's funny. So what are you up to book-wise? Um, I am. I'm just researching something new. And um, when it's this new, um, that's all I can say about it. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. It will, it will be something um, very different from what I've done before. I'll say that much. Now, I find it interesting that you've written both fantasy and mystery, although the mystery series I read also had a lot of romance in it as well. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. um, do you like spanning across genres and do you plan to keep doing that? Or are you kind of, are these two kind of your specialty? You know, I do. I read across genres. I enjoy reading um romance mystery fantasy you know um and, and i i know there are some hardcore you know romance or mystery readers out there who who mostly that's all they read but um i think a lot of readers read across genres and i like to write across genres well i want to thank you for joining us and for anyone who wants to find your books there's a lot of different ways you're on amazon ibooks nook we'll put we'll make sure to put links to everybody who's been on the show and their various endeavors in our show notes on horseillustrated.com slash podcast. And if everyone just finds the May episode, 
you'll find more links. And I know you've got Dream Horse Mysteries even on Audible. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's fantastic because there are so few horse books or horse book series on Audible. There's just not a lot of them. So that's fantastic. And, and make then, sure you look for Horses, Hearts, and Havoc, especially it'll be only two ninety nine for eight full-length novels, and it's only available through June 15th. Like I said, great read for the summer. Pick it up while you can. And they can keep up with you on your website after this, yep. com and social media. So thank you. Thank you. Well, what a fantastic show you put together today with a lot of great guests. It was fascinating. Good yes, job, Sarah. I, I, Thank you. I could have talked to everybody for way longer, but yes. <laughs> we obviously have a time limit. So Definitely go check out all their websites. All the links are in our show notes. By the way, every podcast player, if you scroll up or down or left or right, you're going to see the show notes. That's what we're talking about. And it has all the links in. And usually on most podcast players, you can just click on it and it'll take you right into browser on your phone, right to their websites or whatever. So that's how you can do that. Uh, there's also, if you go to horse radio or horsesinthemorning.com, scroll down to the middle of the page, you're going to see a link for Horse Illustrated. And if you click on that, it brings up all the Horse Illustrated episodes, which now is one, but eventually it'll be a hundred and you'll find them all there right uh, on our website as well. And we also want to thank our sponsors, Straight Arrow Family of Brands, makers of Mane and Tail, Cowboy Magic, and Exhibitors, with over 100 years of grooming excellence. For more information about your favorite products, please visit straightarrowinc.com. That's straightarrowinc.com, or find it at any tax shop near you. You can find us, and we have so much content on horseillustrated.com. That's part of what I do, so... We constantly have new stories being added and articles from the magazine, so check it out. And you guys still send out a magazine. Yes, yes, we have 10 issues a year, and then our sister publication, Young Rider, is four times a year, but we also have a bonus issue with Young Rider between issues, and it's a digital publication that people can sign up for via email, and it comes to their email box as a PDF, so they kind of get like a free extra magazine called the Young Rider Mini or Young Rider Mini Digital because it's a digital format. So we've had a lot of good feedback on that as well. And they can just go to horseillustrated.com to find all of that and learn how to subscribe? Yes. Very good. And I noticed that also on there, you have the new podcast button. Yes. So if if anybody misses an episode in the in the future, which we know you won't, uh, you can always go to our website and click on the button to find all of them there. And we're just going to keep adding great content. And I look forward to doing the next podcast with you. Sounds good. Good job, Sarah. You did great. But you've listened to enough shows that I knew you would. You've listened to a lot of podcasts. So <laughs> that always Thank helps you. when you're when you've been a podcast listener for a long time. And you can find all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network. Go to horseradionetwork.com. Jamie and I will be back tomorrow here on Horses in the Morning. So thank you for joining us. And happy reading and riding. 